Welcome to the Jeff Caven Show, where we talk about the Bible, discipleship, and evangelization, putting it all together and living as activated disciples. This is show 336, Father Mark Beard, the heart of a pastor. Welcome to the show this week. We normally talk about things related to evangelization, studying scripture, and uh, walking as disciples. And I'm going to share that with you this week, but it's going to be in the form of a homily from a very special, special priest, Father Mark Baird, who died in a car accident on August 2nd. And uh, I'll tell you that the reason I want to share his homily with you is because it was his last homily before he passed away. And when you hear it here uh, on the show today, you're going to know why I took the time to to make it available for you to hear, because I think this is a man after God's own heart who is sharing a message as a priest to his people because he loves them so much. And when you know that he was the one that was going to die after giving this homily, it's chilling. And what he says is chilling, knowing that this is what was on his heart before he went to be with the Lord. And so I want to share that with you on the show today. A little bit about Father Mark Baird. He he was the pastor down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but also uh, St. Helena in uh, Amite, Louisiana. I hope I got that right. I know I got Baton Rouge right, and I love so many of my friends down there who, by the way, were very close with Father Baird, uh, Father Jeff Bahi. We have um, we have uh, John Falls, a great great friend of uh, Father Baird, uh, Sister Dalsey, of course uh, Bishop Duca, uh, just uh, great friends. He was a friend of everybody that he met. The thing about Father Baird, which I'm going to play a homily for you in just just a few minutes, that is chilling because when you know that that was his last homily, it really strikes you, and you take it as a message from the Lord to you. Uh, but he, he was so popular uh, in the area, and I think one of the reasons he was so popular is because he just told you the way it was. And you don't hear many pastors talk to their people like this, who take the uh, the risk of telling their flock the way it is, and and they are literally begging their people to listen and to get right with God. Uh, I made a comment to one of uh, his friends down in Baton Rouge on the phone the other day and said that if every priest gave this kind of a homily, can you imagine the way our, our church and our, our, our country would be? Uh, he just charges you with the gospel, and he challenges you to to live it out. And I got to be honest with you, I I think we need more and more priests like Father Baird, and priests that will be bold and courageous, not afraid to deliver the truth. We need this passion. We need this leadership. We need priests to tell the truth with conviction. Why? As you'll hear in the homily, because their souls are on the line and he's begging his people to get right with God. And little did anyone know he would be the first to go. 
and be with the Lord. He's uh, considered still a young man, 62 years of age. He's from the the Baton Rouge area and LSU, got a degree from LSU in Notre Dame. Uh, degrees are all fine, and uh, he got them, and he worked in a family business, but it was what he did in his parish that was so impressive. We were hoping to bring him to, to Israel with us on a, on a pilgrimage, and I'm so sad that we weren't, we weren't able to make that happen, but yeah, I, I, I want to share this. I want to share this with you. Do you have a pastor that you just you're so proud of and you want to brag about? I did growing up. It was Father Father Paul Dudley. And Father Paul Dudley was was such a hero to us growing up in the Twin Cities back in the, the 60s and 70s. That's 1960s and 70s. And he went on to become a bishop. And everywhere this man of God went, people just adored him. He would remember your name from 40 years ago. And he would be so honest and straightforward with you. I think that this homily that I'm going to play here in just a moment is going to be inspiring for you. And I would encourage you to share this with other people. Share this episode with other people and share with your local priests. Share with other priests around the country. If you're a priest listening, which I know I've got a lot of priests who are following on the show here, uh, here as well as my daily devotional on Hallow with Jonathan Rumi. But there are so many priests who listen to uh, podcasts, and, and I want to challenge you as a priest to be bold and to be loving and to take a risk to love your people and tell them the truth. And don't be, don't be afraid that, that, that people are going to put you out or not include you anymore. They will love you more than ever in, if you will be honest with them about where they stand with the Lord and 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 how to how to change their life the the importance of the eucharist the importance of confession the importance of the teachings of the church if it's pro life issues whatever it might be that's what father bear did he did not back down from one single topic i know he was a good friend of father josh johnson a very good friend of mine in baton rouge and wow a good man gone no doubt to be with the Lord, but we need more like this. When we come back from the break, I'm going to go ahead and play this homily. It's not that long, but it's very powerful. And again, I encourage you to share it with other people. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. Is it possible for you to live a life of greatness that is more than just confusing relationships, endless scrolling, and unfulfilling friendships? I'm Sarah Swafford, author of Emotional Virtue. And I'm Andrew Swafford, professor at Benedictine College and co-author of A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament and editor of The Great Adventure Catholic Bible. And we wrote a book with Ascension called Gift and Grit, How Heroic Virtue Can Change Your Life and Relationships. Gift and Grit shows you how to foster authentic relationships and answer life's deepest questions, especially in our walk with the Lord. Gift and Grit is like grabbing a cup of coffee with us and hearing our experience from working with young adults and college students for over 15 years. We chat about everything from fostering good and faithful friendships with both men and women, pursuing holy romantic relationships, achieving the greatness that every person desires, and so much more. We want you to live a life that's full of meaning and purpose, which is exactly why we wrote Gift and Grit. You can order your copy of Gift and Grit 
at ascensionpress.com slash gift and grit. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to listen now to the homily, the last homily that Father Mark Baird gave. Uh, he gave the last homily in Louisiana, and it was very, very powerful. So I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to let you listen. I'll catch you on the other side. Fence. Fence, as in straddling, straddling the fence. You know, my friends in Christ, you know what I liked about Philip? You can say what you want about him, but he is a, he is Catholic. He, now, he may not be a poster boy for Catholicism at the start, but this is like the 1980s. But later in life, I got to tell you, still to this day, Philip's Catholic. It's with a big C. Man, he grew up in uh, Schenectady, New York. He'll tell you that is, he had a pretty good home life initially. He had uh, three siblings, and he said he loved New York. His mom and dad separated. He's now got to move, I believe it's with his mom, down to Miami, Florida. So he goes to Miami High School. Philip will tell you he does two things very well. He is an excellent boxer. And somehow or another, he got wrapped up into a play called The Serpent, and he loved it. The problem is he was far better at boxing, 27 and 3 to be exact. As a result of it, man, he just, he gets it. He likes the discipline. When he stays disciplined, he stays out of trouble. Well, he's trying to decide what he wants to do, either maybe do more plays, but it's, it's Miami. He gets in a little bit of trouble because he kind of gets away from boxing. And as a result of it, Philip just gets, he said, man, he gets in trouble. He said his, his sister comes to him and said, look, here's $400. You're on the next Greyhound out. Don't look back. Don't come back. They're looking for you. You're guilty. Get to New York. Start your life over. He gets all the way up to New York. Starts working plays. He's got to start boxing again. That's all he knows. He doesn't, he does okay. He said he was six and three. And what made him retire is a guy that hit him so hard, it actually gave him a concussion. And they said, man, you knew right then? He said, no, when I woke up, I knew he was right then. <laughs> he said, man, it, he said, I just knew I had to make a decision. I got to stop walking. I just got to stop straddling the fence. I'm either going to box or I'm not. And if not, I'm going to try acting. But if not, you got to go to work. So he starts getting these bit parts. And Philip plays. A really good bad guy, he, like a crooked attorney or just a, you know, a mob guy, whatever, but he does real well at it. And then all of a sudden, man, the movies start coming. He's in, uh, Phillips in the movies like um, uh, Diner, Body Heat. Uh-oh. <laughs> I could already see it in your face. Nine and a half weeks. He played in uh, Rain Man, uh, Rainmaker, Rainmaker, excuse me. He played... Um, uh, the Man on Fire, The Pope of Greenwich Village. You know, I didn't memorize a dozen of these things, right? My brother said, his name's Mickey O'Rourke. <laughs> okay, that is the third guy that you'll never hear mentioned again in the church, right? But to give him his due, he's Catholic to his core. What he knows is, is you can't keep walking and straddling the fence. That is that gospel. Not once, not twice, three times. He says, the kingdom of heaven is this. My brother says, Christ, he's trying to tell you. You can't take it with you. You can't bury it. You're either on it or in it or you are not. You can't play both sides against the middle. He gives you an example. Now remember, you're Jewish. So you and I now know that when they use parables, there's always a twist in the parable. Something that doesn't, uh, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, let's be honest. You're walking down a road. You look into a field and there's a treasure. You're walking down the road 
Nobody's seen it but you, and there's a treasure. You're so excited, you go bury it. Sell everything you have and buy the field. The fact that there's a treasure in the field and you just didn't take it and run with it, you buried it and sold everything yet. Brothers Christ, there's, it's, it's, it doesn't work. It's not logical. It's not reasonable. That's where he's saying. You can't bury this treasure and you can't take it with you. And he says, well, I'll give you another example. He said, it's like you find this beautiful pearl. It is so beautiful that you go and sell your house, your car, your camp, your boats, your guns, and you go buy the pearl. Then you realize you can't eat with the pearl. You can't hunt with the pearl. You can't fish with the pearl. You can't buy anything. You can't, I mean, you can't be clothed with it. You can't put a roof over your head. He says, you can't take it with you. My brother, sister in Christ, he's trying to tell people, and he says, look, at the end of the day, there, it's like you going net fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Now, why is this important to you? Because that's the only way you can fish on the Sea of Galilee today. You can only net fish. And as a result of it, when you throw the net out, you're going to get good and bad. He said, I'm telling you this now so that you make sure that you're all in. Because if not, I'm going to send my angels and they will separate you. Listen why this is important, you and I. Because our best players in scripture are those who are able to delineate whether they're all in or all out. You can't ride the fence. Man, my brother in Christ, throughout scripture, the best players are the ones we know very little about. For example, the wealthiest man in all of their day is Lazarus. So Christ's best friend, if you will, is one of the wealthiest men of all. And as a result of it, he has two uh, sisters, Mary of Magdala, which she had a house in Magdala, which was his. And then he also has Mary, Martha and Mary, excuse me, and Martha. Now, my brothers in Christ, he's got vineyards, he's got grounds, he's got, he does have slaves, he does have property, he does have equipment, he does have caravans. Everybody knows who he is. But this is what you don't know about him. He's got to die twice so that Christ can be proven. That's a friend. You got to die twice. My brother and sister in Christ, do you know why he's not at the crucifixion, according to the saints? Because he knows good and well that the, the apostles have to have somewhere to go. Do you know why we can't find Peter? We can't find James. We can't find Nathaniel, Bartholomew, Thomas. We can't find Philip. We can't find the other Simon. Why? Because they're all over at his house. Because if he's not there to protect them. But you know what's amazing? He already knew this is what he was going to do. So as a result of it, I got to protect the good Lord. And he actually conversed with the good Lord about protecting. He actually asked the good Lord, can I intercede because of my influence with Pilate to stay what's coming? My brother in Christ, you know, 60 to 90 days after the crucifixion and subsequent resurrection, he actually walks away from everything. Doesn't sell it. He leaves it. My brother and sister Christ, that is somebody who no longer decides, I'm just going just, to straddle the fence. He's all in. Matter of fact, my brother in Christ, he will actually die a martyr's death later on. My brother in Christ, Longinus, as great as he was to Pilate, he became a greater disciple to our Savior. I mean, how many people would have the courage in front of all their constituents, your fellow workers, your bosses, the monarch himself, Pilate? Truly, that man's the son of God. You lose all your money instantly. About six months to a year later, he'll be beheaded by the same people that he helped with the crucifixion, the same people he protected, the other centurions, the same ones he fought with next to the war. My brother says, Christ, he's all in. Our best players know you can't straddle the fence. You can't say, I'm part of this, 
But I, I, I kind of believe in this. So now here you and I sit 2,000 years later. Well, let's see, brothers in Christ. How good are you at straddling the fence? Or are you all in? Well, let's see. My brother and sister in Christ, when somebody says, you're, are you Christian? Will you stand up and say, well, absolutely, I'm Catholic. Well, tell me, as a Catholic, are there exceptions to abortion, like rape and incest? Absolutely not. There are no exceptions. If there had been, he would have told me there were. You don't think they had rape and incest in the time of Christ? You don't think they had that going on, my brother in Christ? They're burning children in the pit they called Gehenna while Christ walked the earth. You can't have it both ways. My brother and sister in Christ, when it comes to abortion, it's intrinsically evil in and of itself. And the fact of the matter is, when people tell you as Catholics that you can, I'm sorry, Father, I'm just not a one-issue person. Well, that's a fine how-do. So what you're telling me is, well, Father, he's got a good diplomatic policy. He's got a good economic policy. You don't have a policy. Your policy is to kill children. So you think the good Lord's going to bless your supply and demand? You believe that your economic policy is going to work after you kill his children? So when the good Lord asks you, Father, Father Mark, where are my children? My answer is going to be, well, you know, i got to tell you, the, the president had a good economic policy. He's a pretty good diplomat. For who? I have no idea. But he's a good diplomat. My brothers and in Christ, that's the point. All things come through Christ. You can't pick and choose whether you're in or out. You're either in the church or you are not. Mother Christ, how many times do I hear people make the argument, well, Father, you know, we're, we're just not ready to have children. My brother and sister in Christ, please go back and read Scripture. You are not your, not your own. You are not your own. You have been purchased with a great price. St. Paul to the Corinthians. St. Paul to the Romans. When you start using the pill or some type of contraception, you are putting something between you and your spouse. I told you to go forth and to multiply. My brother and sister in Christ, he is the God of economics. If he wants to be able to support you and your children, then he will. For you and I to step in his shoes and tell him that this is how it will be, you're telling him it's more important how we do it than how you do it. You can get upset, you can get mad, you can kick your dog. I'm telling you right now, that's the teachings of the church. You gotta decide whether you're in or whether you're out. You can't walk the fence, my brother and sister in Christ. This is getting old. This is why our country is starting to fracture. Remember this. It does not matter to me what Francis says or does not say. What matters to me is where you land. All I care about is your soul. Stop worrying about what he says or doesn't say. Stop worrying about what Joe says or doesn't say. The only thing that matters is your soul. Do you not understand? There is no exceptions when you're in front of him. There's no arbitration. There's no mediation. He's going to say, man, your judgment. You come in on this day. You go home on this day. Please, for the love of God, remember this. The nanosecond you and I die, the nanosecond before people walk away from your bed, before they leave to get in their cars, you have already been judged and you're either in heaven, hell, or purgatory. That's it. It's done. And there's nothing else to go. And it's for all eternity. I'm trying to tell you, you can't pick and choose. Either he's the great I am or he's not. You can't go one in both ways. You can't say, man, I believe in the church, but I don't, I have exceptions to these rules. Man, do you understand why he went to the wedding of Cana? He went there to prove to you that if I had to go there for seven days, then you need to come to my house when you get married. It was so important he'd be at the wedding of Cana. We don't even know the name of the couple. And it's been 2,000 years. 
So getting married on a beach, getting married at someone's house or in the backyard or an antebellum home is not in front of him. Yes, the good Lord is everywhere, but he's physically present in the tabernacle. That's why I say this is my body, which will be given up to you. What I got to get you to understand is you don't understand the faith and ask the questions. You can't just keep walking down the middle of the road. You can't say, man, father, you know, I'm, I, I know the commandment. Do you? Because if you don't, most of them are exclusionary. Do you know the Beatitudes? Do you know the very first one at least? Fear the Lord. If you don't have that, then you won't make it. If I ask you, what are the four pillars of the church? Would you know one of them? My brother Christ, how can you and I proclaim to be Catholic? And remember what Catholic means, according to the whole, that if we gather in one place, we listen to the readings, we sing the Psalms, and different from the Jews, we break bread instead of sacrifice a lamb, that's the definition of Catholic. It became so popular, it became universal. You and I have got to stop apologizing for being Catholic. You need to learn your faith. Yes, we have let you down. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yes, we make it confusing because different priests speak different ways. That is true. And sometimes I'm not sure where Francis is going. That's a true statement too. But it doesn't change the fact that you need to know the truth. And I'm going to tell you, I am not going to stand before him and say, well, Lord, I would have pitched it, but you know there's going to be pushback. Because now that sin's on me. I've got my own set, my brother and sister Christ. I'm not going to burn for another. So it's important for me for you to tell you the truth. You can pick and choose what you want and throw the rest away. But nobody's going to nail my foot to the floor telling me, man, Beard, you just didn't say what was truthful. My brother in Christ, my job is to pitch it. Whether you want to catch it or not is on you. My job is to make sure you know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. At the end of the day, you have got to get off that fence. You have got to plant your flag. My brother in Christ, I'm not saying that you will agree with 100% of the church teaching, but you don't get to pick and choose. She's been around for 2,000 years. And someday you and I are going to stand behind, in front of them naked and alone. And let me promise you, we will hear one or two words come judgment day. Man, depart from me. Well, Lord, man, I proclaimed you to be the Messiah. I held your money. So did Judas. Or he's going to say, welcome to my table. God, I have waited for you. I bragged on you. I told the saints about you. I said, watch him, watch her, watch. They're going to make the sign of the cross and they're going to be belittled and condemned for it. Watch, he's going to break out the prayer of the Hail Mary when everybody starts to look down. They're going to say, man, I'm a one-issue candidate because that's all that matters is life, life everlasting. My brother in Christ, I leave you with the words of Johnny Cash, a great theologian in his own right. He said, if there was a fence between heaven and hell, it would be owned by the devil himself. Amen. 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 Man, thank you, thank you. I'd like to thank my family who came here and stood up and clapped. Man, God bless you. Please stand. Thank you. That was a homily. That was a message from a, a shepherd who loved his people and didn't care about reputation or anything else. He would do anything for his people. And he said it all as his last homily. And if you listen to some of his other homilies, you'll know it's consistent with what he delivers every single week. And that was his last homily. Just hours and hours, I don't know how many hours exactly after this, that 
his life was over, 62 years of age. He, he has his reward now, but his message to you and to me lives on, and we must listen to our leaders who are taking a chance on loving us and telling us the truth. Again, if you can share this with, with, with folks, share it with priests, I would appreciate that because I don't normally give up the show during the week to talk to somebody else because I love talking to you. I really do. And sharing with you the truth. But I just thought, you know what? You need to hear a real shepherd here giving his heart. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you for our dear Father Beard. We thank you, Lord, for his example and his passion. We pray, Lord, for all the seminarians in uh, New Orleans and Baton Rouge and Shreveport, all over Louisiana, that they would, that they would find in Father Beard a, a brother to copy, a brother to learn from, a brother to emulate. And all of us around the country, Lord, we give thanks for him, his family, his, his mother, who is still alive. We thank you, Lord, for his example. We pray for his soul. In Jesus' name, amen. My friend, I love you, and I do look forward to talking to you next time. <laughs>